Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. I am Lindsay Adams and today I'm interviewing my co-host, Rail Bricker. Welcome, Rail. Thank you, Lindsay. Great to be here. Yeah, it's, um, it's nice of you to come all this way to sit and chat with me. Rail, today we're going to talk about your top five tips for leadership success. And uh, I know, again, I know you've done a lot of research with this and you've spoken to a lot of people around the world. So I'm really curious, what's tip number one? Tip number one is that leaders need to have defined their ethics and their integrity. They need to be able to draw the line in the sand. In other words, what is that that boundary that they won't cross as a leader? And, and why is that important as a leader? Because it also draws the same line in the sand for their team. It shows the team that they are leading where, where the boundaries exist. And, and, you know, in a previous episode when we are talking about culture and we spoke about ethics and integrity in relation to culture and the fact that everything around the world is different, different countries have different cultures, well, it applies equally for leaders. So we would see leaders in particular parts of the world who we would go, oh, my God, that's so unethical what they're doing. I mean, a classic, classic example of that is one of my business interests is in financial services. And a few years ago, the Australian Federal Police raided a factory in China. And this is not a political statement. This is just a, an observation on what happened. They went there, and in this factory in China, they were manufacturing documents to apply for loans in Australia. It's highly illegal. And when they questioned the people running the factory, they said, you told us what you wanted, so we manufactured it, just like we do with everything else. <laughs> and so, so the ethical line that those owners of that factory had drawn was completely different and potentially illegal. Uh, you know, against what we would draw as a line in the sand, say, in Australia. But nevertheless, it was a culturally correct line in the sand for them. And so, so that's what it is about being a leader, is being able to stand up and actually explain to people where your ethical boundaries are. Because once you explain that, you're actually putting yourself out there that you don't cross that boundary. Okay, um, I, I like that. So what's tip number two? So tip number two for leaders is showing vulnerability. And, and often our egos and particularly, you know, being, you know, a white male now in my 50s, I grew up in an era where boys didn't cry and, 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 and that environment. But as we've got older and, and probably hopefully a little bit wiser, We've learned that, that leaders need to actually show their vulnerability. They need to show weaknesses to their team because a leader who, sh who never shows their weakness encourages the team not to disclose their weakness. And if the team can't discuss their weaknesses, then how are they going to grow and strengthen themselves? So, so leaders, leadership is about showing vulnerability. It's about not all the time, but it's about being confident enough in your strengths to show your weaknesses. And so, you know, th that goes down to the fact that, you know, around the world today, um, we have one in five people with mental health challenges. And a lot of that is because people bottle up those vulnerabilities. They feel they can't show them. They feel yeah. that they can't show a weakness. And so as soon as they 
got this release valve to talk about it and talk about it in the context of their strengths. Because you can't just show weakness. You have to show strength too. But vulnerability for me is the second of the major tips for being a successful leader. Okay. Um, tip number three then. So visibility. In other words, being present. That doesn't mean micromanaging because a lot of leaders tend to micromanage or at least those who think they're leaders tend to micromanage. So when I was writing my book, the working title was Give Up Control to Gain Control. And that was a title I used for a long time. Yeah, 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 yep. It's one of the chapters in the book, and it's about exactly that. It's about that as a leader, you have to actually give up control in order to gain control of your time. Now, what are leaders good at? Leaders are good at inspiration, generally speaking. They're there to inspire and drive a direction of the business. But they also have to be visible and be seen and sometimes that visibility is just going and greeting every staff member in the morning and saying, hi, how are you? Um, you know, we, we at the school uh, that I'm on the board of, we have a, a new principal. And so she makes a point that at least four days a week, she's out at the gate of either the high school campus or the primary school campus, greeting the students. Wow. Just And, and often, she says, she often gets parents who it's the most ideal time for the parents to come and introduce themselves to her as a new I'm leader sure. of the school. Yeah. And just to say, hey, hi, I'm John and my daughter's Mary, you know, just that interaction, that that visibility, that that to me is the perfect leadership. She's not making any strategic announcements by standing outside. Sure. She's being visible and present. She's teaching her own staff, her teaching staff, that they have to be visible and present. I think that is actually making an announcement in, 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 in a surreptitious way. But, yeah, I love it. Okay, so tip number four. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer in having flat corporate structures. Uh, I, I worked for an organisation in South Africa in my 20s called Anglo-American, and I was a C4-level engineer, and that meant I parked in the third parking lot away from the office. But if I was a D1-level engineer... I would have parked in the second parking lot from the office. Okay. That's how, how hierarchically structured that organization was. It, it was to a point of stupidity where they had different canteens in the head office. I'm not talking about on the mine where you have, you know, five or 6,000 employees um, on a mine shaft. Many of them are, are, are laborers through to, you know, your management and your engineers. I'm talking about in a head office environment, they had different canteens for the different levels within the organization. Yeah, so I understood it at C-suite. I just never stood for the rest of the organization. But there's a, one of the stories of my time at Anglo-American that changed my view of the world was when I flew in the corporate jet. Now, this is a 22-year-old young engineer, and I got the opportunity to fly four hours uh, to a project in the corporate jet. I got to the... Uh, to the airport and I was in jeans and I had a bla blazer with me, but I figured I'm going to mine site. Why do I need a suit? And a couple of people suddenly got dropped off by their chauffeurs in, in these fancy cars and they were all wearing custom fitted suits. So I looked at this lot. These were my fellow travelers out to the mine site. I got onto the, the plane 
um, it was a citation at the time, and I found the back seat, the one that was over the toilet seat um, in the citation, as it so happened. And I sat in that seat. We took off, and all my fellow travelers obviously knew each other. One or two of them sort of greeted me, but not really with any, any enthusiasm. Anyway, we had taken off, and the pilot put his head out of the cockpit and said, okay, you can move around now. And on the floor next to me, I saw a an esky in, in Australia, in, 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 in other parts of the world would be a cooler. In South Africa, it was called a cooler bag. I saw this bag on the floor. I opened it up, and there was a variety. It was early morning flight, cold drinks and iced coffees and all sorts of things. And so I stood up, and I was about to offer drinks to everyone on the plane when I got a tap on the shoulder. Now, thankfully, the tap on the shoulder was from one of the directors of Anglo-American. It wasn't from the hand of God because we were at 40,000 feet at the time. <laughs> and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, please don't do that. And I said, I'm happy to. I'm the youngest and, you know, fit, fittest and whatever, and I'm in jeans and a T-shirt. He said, no, our policy is that the most senior person on the plane has to serve the drinks because we don't want to make the most junior person not want to travel with us. Wow. And so the most senior director has to serve the drinks or person on the plane. And so I thought that there's actually hope for the corporates. There was hope for the corporates because in the confines of the corporate jet, the entire hierarchy was turned upside down. And so I got to understand that there was hope, that there was a future. And so in developing my businesses over the last 30 years, I've always used the inverted principle, the open door policy, the flat structure. Everyone can talk. And really that leaders need to be accessible. So they not only need to show their weaknesses and be vulnerable, they need to be visible, but they also need to be accessible. They need to be around when people want to talk to them. They need to be around to actually notice changes in staff behavior and go, are you okay? You know, we've had this campaign in Australia for a number of years about mental health called Are You Okay? Sure. That, that is probably one of the best lines a leader can use as an accessible line is, are you okay? Do you want to talk to me? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Uh, okay, final tip, num tip number five. So tip number five is that leaders need to inspire the team to a set of shared values and purpose. The, if, if that was the only role of a leader in organization, and, and, and put that into context, at the time you have a group and you have a structure and you have people, you're pretty much assuming that the role of the leader is one of just keeping the team together because everyone has their assigned roles. Maybe the leader's job is to see major clients and negotiate big contracts. But outside of that, the role of the leader is to actually inspire the team, is to actually lead the team, to inspire them. And what do you inspire them to? You inspire them to have a set of shared values and purpose so that people love coming to work in the morning. Yeah, that people, and so, so one of my team members in finance a number of years ago said to me, she woke up at three o'clock in the morning worrying about a client. And I said, great, welcome to my world. Because... <laughs> You know, for me, the fact that she could, A, verbalize and B, acknowledge that she'd woken up at three o'clock in the morning and was worried about a client meant that she shared the same values and purpose that I did. And so 
you know, that, that, that for me was a tick in the leadership box, that, that the inspiration of that person had been working and had been successful. I love it. So let's, let's summarise now. Top five tip, tips for leadership success. Tip number one, uh, have ethics and integrity and be able to draw a line in the sand. Tip number two, be vulnerable, be able to um, show weakness where necessary. Tip number three, be visible, that is be present for all of your people. Tip number four, be accessible, have an open door policy and hopefully a flat structure. And tip number five, uh, create inspiration to share values and purpose within the organisation. Raoul Bricker, um, thanks for chatting with us. Uh, and look forward to sharing more great podcast episodes with you. Thanks, Lindsay. It's been fun. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of this episode. Thanks to my co-host, Rail, signing off until next time.